0: And welcome to Podcast 44 of the series You Should Have Been There with me, Mick Webb.
1: And me, Simon Calder. And our subject today is Every Photo Tells a Story. Or does it? We're going to be discussing the fine art of photography and how it relates to travel with the help of some very wise other people and our own favourite photographs. Um, So, Mick... What do you take pictures of and why?
0: Well, I must say I didn't used to take all that many photographs in the days of uh, proper cameras and um, real film, which you had to wind off and then uh, take down to the chemist shop to uh, have processed. And although it seemed exciting... The idea of getting them back in that uh, little paper envelope, uh, opening it, and then finding that (laughs) at least half of them hadn't come out, or uh, as in the case of one of my favourite trips to... um, the incredibly interesting country of Zimbabwe, none of them came out at all, or rather they were all doubly exposed because uh, what had happened was that the film I'd used for a previous holiday in Spain with my, uh, with my <laughs> partner and a very small child at the time, hadn't wound back properly. So it looked for all the world as though it was ready to take a whole load of photographs when in fact, sadly, it already had done. So that kind of thing was quite a deterrent. Um, But I must say that uh, since the advent of the smartphone, uh, much more portable cameras as well, digital photography, in fact, I take loads of photographs. And one of the things I've found is that since I took up travel writing, that instead of uh, having to forever be um, looking for my uh, glasses and a little notebook to take notes of things, if you just take (laughs) photographs of everything, signs and uh, drinks and uh, meals and castles, etc, etc, uh, you really didn't need to take any notes at all. But uh, let's have a look at our two favourite photographs. I've sent you my one and you've sent me yours. Maybe you could describe your one uh, briefly for uh, for listeners.
1: Yes, it's very simple. It's also quite blank. It's not going to win any prizes uh, for a piece of art and it wouldn't even make a a kind of lower league postcard, I don't think, but let me describe it for you. So the lower half is almost entirely taken up with with beach, um, relatively well trodden. Um, the upper half is filled with uh, an Italianate hotel, probably dating from, I'm guessing, the 1920s, um, all in white. It's a v- fairly kind of bleached picture taken in the middle of the day, uh, the... There's, there's almost nobody in it except one tiny figure um, out in the distance, in, in, all in oh, black. I spot, but, but I didn't the spot mo- the figure. Oh, yes. But but you can see him right next to the uh, item of interest in it, which is on the left-hand side, a sign, a kind of lollipop sign, um, poking up from the sand, saying, "touristy zone». And that means, yes, you cross that line and you are going to be going into uh, an area reserved for tourists. It was taken in 1989 in Albania in the resort of Dures. I was in Albania for the uh, Tirana match, um, the match in the capital Tirana between England and Albania World Cup qualifier. I've taken a party of Crawley town supporters out there <laughs> and um, snuck down on the train, kind of illegally, because it was one of those places and times when you really couldn't do things on your own, and and, and got this picture. And deliberately, nobody in it, because actually, pictures with people in them um, raised suspicions. And since by then, I'd already had one Eastern European arrest experience, perhaps which we'll we'll discuss later later. Um, I thought, right, keep people out of this. It doesn't look like a military target. It looks like a, a holiday hotel. And I snapped the picture and it, I, it, I, it immediately takes me to that that time, that moment, which a good photograph, I suggest, should do. But in the context of your photograph, well, it takes you immediately to two <laughs> moments, which is weird. Um, so please describe <laughs> it.
0: Well, um, it's... A photograph which was taken in um, uh, 1990, but possibly 1989 <laughs> as well, um, and this is because of the phenomenon of the double exposure, which I uh, described earlier. And this particular print uh, is is a photograph. Well, it's two photographs, uh, but it's obviously come out as one. On the right hand side, in the foreground, there is a mother turning round. Uh, and holding the hand of her young son, who I happen to know was uh, three years old, because he's my son as well. And they're standing on what looks like some quite Spanish, southern Spanish rock, because I'm pretty sure that's where uh, that part of the photo was taken. But behind them, in what I imagine would be the middle ground, are two elephants. Um, Facing away from the camera, there's a mother <laughs> elephant and her child, um, weirdly um, uh, mirroring the <laughs> other two, the other two uh, figures. Uh, and then in the background, there's a pair of uh, hills, which I think are probably the Spanish ones. Although it is remotely possible they might be the Zimbabwean ones. But anyway, the whole thing is mixed together in a weird, dreamlike. Uh, Uh, Way And to be honest, I could um, uh, go on many photographic courses and spend a whole year trying to achieve this effect without managing to do it. So that is my uh, favourite photo.
1: It is a magnificent picture, which genuinely I think you could see perfectly happily in a leading gallery and with the accompanying explanation. And I particularly love the building, which is occupying the kind of central (laughs) hill, which... um, I imagine it's, it's something Spanish, and, and and yet it appears to have been kind of dropped into this uh, Zimbabwean <laughs> landscape, uh, very very effectively. So it's it's a masterpiece, and I I look forward to sharing it as widely as I can. And also, um, next time I'm allowed round your house, seeing a lovely picture of it all blown up because it's it's a magnificent creation, and um, how marvelous! And I just hope you've still got the negative. Ah,
0: and the answer is probably. Well, of course, that double exposure, which you've been so kind about, Simon, um, could not have happened with the uh, modern-day smartphone. The uh, great, uh, what should we call her, a, a social commentator, Susan Sontag, mm. has come up with a very good quote, which is that travel has now just become a strategy for collecting photos. Would you agree that that's um, has a truth in it?
1: If you go to the classic tourist honeypots as we must call them around the world um, then Pisa where I was lucky enough to be in July actually uh, that of course is just full of people wanting to take pictures of themselves in this iconic location and also have a bit of a laugh with their photograph and so therefore they will get their friend to take a picture of them while they are appearing to be holding up the, Eiff- the Eiffel Tower, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, <laughs> um, and stopping it, f- stopping it from falling over. And th- this is, I think, the classic uh, of "I was there." Look, there's me, and I'm having a bit of a laugh. And aren't I great? Um, and I take plenty of pictures like that myself. Goodness, of course, we all want to place ourselves in. Uh, the locations that are known around the world and we also want people to know that we have been there but it has got a little bit extreme now whereby previously you would have a couple of kind of image interactions with your location you would take some pictures and as you say send them off quite expensively to be developed when you came home and then you would also send a postcard to your your uh, yes, family and friends true, yeah. and that, that that's your kind of photographic interaction whereas now it's kind of instant and instagram beautifully named there you are i'm there in in a millisecond you know from your uh lovely location in streatham that i am there and i'm possibly having a better time than you which uh, it, it is a difficult kind of psychological conundrum because Travel should all be all, all be about being open to experiences, to open to the world, opening your eyes rather than just, oh, I'm going to send Mick a picture now that'll make him feel envious. Ha ha. And I, I think I'm as guilty as that, as any other person. But I also realize that it, it kind of. Um, It it, it rather taints the whole idea of
0: travel. Although, to put in a word for the uh, millennial travellers that uh, I think we're mainly talking about here, they might actually be taking all these photos in order to try and um, communicate the delight of being uh, in these places. And I certainly know um, parents of uh, young people of, uh, of sort of 20s and early 30s who absolutely... Uh, can't wait to get the next um, deluge of photographs from (laughs) Bali or um, Malaysia or Africa um, because uh, they don't actually travel themselves the parents Mm -hmm. but they kind of do it by proxy Um, so I think maybe there's a two sides to it, um, although there are some things which are obviously just uh, absolutely ludicrous. For instance, there's a very famous, well, it's famous now, um, rock uh, in Norway called Trolltunga, which means troll's tongue, which I think is a very, very uh, good name. And you'll have certainly seen it. You might even have been there. It's, um, it's a tongue of rock, very, very high, two and a half thousand feet above an absolutely extraordinary lake. Um, with mountains and snow all around. Um, But this thing sticks out so high uh, over the water that uh, if you go and uh, have your photograph taken on it or take a selfie, as most people do, uh, you actually look as though you're on the highest uh, natural diving board in the world. It's not really recommended to people with a touch of vertigo, I wouldn't have thought. But have you seen the pictures? I've
1: seen the pictures. I haven't been there. Anybody who does want to go there, it's um, just east of Bergen on the general route towards uh, Oslo. And I love seeing the pictures, and I also love not being in there. And I, I just hate to think how many people have maybe died as a result of cavorting around taking pictures. I know that, for example, the Grand Canyon Every year, there are very sadly deaths where literally somebody has said, "Oh, uh, just just take a step backwards," and that's the last you've seen of them. So, uh, photography and tragedy, uh, I, I fear, are not too far away on this particular ledge. Oh,
0: ah, yes, but um, actually, absurdity is also quite close by because um, if you take another picture from the other side of this extraordinary rock, what you see is an endless queue. Of mainly young people (laughs) um, winding their way up the mountain. And it's no easy climb either to get up there, although I haven't been there myself, I must say. Um, Waiting to take this picture or have this picture taken of themselves in the solitary splendor of this incredible uh, natural landscape Uh, and the queues can be very very long indeed you know two hours or so it's a bit like a sale on at an apple store in um, central london
1: (laughs) which takes us back to the good old smartphone and I, i i just wonder of course people will take these pictures and then they will make them look better than they are and that's what worries me about modern photography. It is the work of seconds to crop something, to cleanse it, to sharpen it up, to make it brighter, make the world look better than it is. And that, I'm afraid, distorts the reality, which is what travel should all be about.
0: Well, I couldn't disagree with that. Let's continue the positive negative theme. you said that, uh, yes, that it's not a great idea to make the world look uh, more positive than it really is. And uh, there is quite a lot of evidence that taking photographs these days does also have a negative impact on the countries where you're taking the photographs and indeed um, the people you're taking the photographs of uh, and uh, Francis Lindsay Gordon, adventurer, traveller, travel writer, who um, we had a very nice chat with in our last podcast, also told us a bit about the uh, complications which have arisen, particularly recently, of taking photographs in uh, other countries.
2: It's it's very very difficult. One, I think, taking pictures of. People generally it's such an intrusion, I think, finding a, a lens in your face, particularly if you're not used to it. If you're not living in a in a say first world country where you're very used to cameras, SLR cameras and mobile phones and selfies. It it's I think a serious intrusion. And there's also that feeling, it's a sort of almost a kind of neo colonialism. Yeah. You know what I mean? Taking snapping pictures of things you find quaint or curious or strange or funny so it's always tricky I love taking pictures of people but you have to be careful and actually I always always ask permission and if people say no I respect that and there's also a lot of uh, superstitions as you will both know you know the, the that old cliche about stealing the soul but that is actually the case in some countries so you you do have to be to be very careful and quite apart from the question of image rights as well now i know i had to take pictures um well was taking pictures for, for getty and had to carry image release forms everywhere so i know a lot of photographer friends simply don't take pictures of people anymore because it's ah. you know
0: tricky. did that um, did that extend to um inanimate things like buildings or bridges you didn't need to find someone to sign the relief form for.
2: well that 's a very good question, because that 's something else and I discovered uh, to my cost in um, in I think in the Middle East that you cannot take pictures of any any sort of strategic installation, so bridges ah. or um, and any very conspicuous buildings because of what they see is a, a you know a security risk. Are you taking pictures because you're going to blow it up? <clears throat> I also got arrested once in Djibouti for taking pictures of a a march through ah. the streets, and they did not like that at all. Um, and I had to quickly try and get out of that. So you 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 often take pictures. You I think Westerners think we have a right to snap yeah. away at will but that's not always the case in other countries
0: well that's the view of travel writer and adventurer frances lindsay gordon uh, which i tend to agree with um and i think we could add to her um very good uh, phrase is it a phrase or is it a, just a word neo-colonialism i'm going to add neo-exhibitionism <laughs> as uh, as one of the uh, new sins into which we can fall these days as uh, travel photographers.
1: Yes, and there was a perfect example from five years ago on Mount Kinabalu, the highest peak in Southeast Asia, part of Malaysia on the island of Borneo, in which a whole group of young people, including at least one Brit, um, decided that their celebration of climbing this uh, this, uh, mountain was going to be to strip off and take lots of pictures themselves um, in states of undress which of course was uh, immediately punished the mountains considered sacred and the local people who tend to be socially conservative and in any event why would they want people uh, taking clothes off on their local mountain and they were indeed punished
0: (laughs) um (laughs) well now, I'm not going to suggest that you you went to such uh, extreme lengths to um, get your selfie, but I think you've been arrested, haven't you, for um, uh, photograph-related uh, matters?
1: I have, and quite spectacularly too. So let me take you back to the early 1980s. To Romania, which had just opened up as a skiing location, uh, Ceausescu, the vile dictator, um, actually wanted to improve the balance of payments, which he did with quite su- quite some success uh, by inviting uh, Western travellers in. And this was to uh, Transylvania, to the ski resort of Poiana Brașov, and. It was also close to a whole range of really interesting towns. So, of course, one afternoon I took an afternoon off from skiing and headed down to town and took a whole lot of pictures, including one... Um, in front of a very impressive-looking nineteenth-century building, and immediately, well, you can guess what happened next. A guard came out and said, "What are you doing?" And I said, oh, "I'm taking a picture of this lovely building." And he said, "Well, it's the local army headquarters. <laughs> Come in here." And that then involved um, many, many hours in uh, a, a, a quite a small room. You know, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Um, the suspicion clearly was that I was a spy. And eventually I was let go and I went back up the mountain to the resort and had a great story to tell. Ha ha. Two days later, when I am at uh Bucharest airport at the end of the trip, trying to uh, check in for my flight, suddenly um, some quite large men appeared and said, um, uh, come with us. And they were uh, uh, somehow this message had got from this barracks to the airport. This person will be traveling out and you've got to check him out. And so, therefore uh, myself and my companion were put into effectively house arrest in a hotel in Bucharest the plane went without us um, and then finally the following morning we were taken off and um, interrogated separately at the airport clearly they concluded these aren't spies these are <laughs> foolish tourists and eventually we were allowed on planes back, uh, uh, back, back to Britain but it was a, a genuinely scary experience and one which is repeated all too often around the world and I fear it might have happened <laughs> did you to you as well. Did you
0: actually get your camera uh, removed? I mean did you did you manage to keep your photographs?
1: That's a really good question. I believe they took the film actually at the first stage and i think they might by that stage have kind of developed it realized it was kind of me <laughs> uh failing abjectly to ski down mountains and a few pictures of a few random buildings and concluded that uh, uh, either i was extremely good at covering my tracks or i was just an idiot let's
0: have uh, another positive piece of uh of news about uh about photography um and one of the good things about digital technology is that you can take photos draw and even paint on the self-same piece of equipment and um uh i, I found out about this from a friend called mario cavalli who's a filmmaker photographer and artist about uh, the painting and drawing that
3: he does while he's traveling i mean generally if if, if i'm on the move i'll take a picture if i've got time i'll, I'll do a drawing Um, but the two things are quite different because you tend to review photos and sometimes discover things in them after the fact you know long after you've taken them and when you start to explore them and you discover details that um, that were not apparent and not immediately apparent at the time Um, whereas uh, drawing is a there's a different process that takes place and it's because you're forced to you're forced to look quite hard at the thing that you're drawing really quite analytically and that makes a kind of impression in your brain. Well I, I just discovered something um,
0: which bears out what you were saying about the interest particularly at times when you're locked down and have to rather kind of look back, review um, your memories and photos or in your case photos and, and sketches uh, and find something that you didn't realise was there and certainly with the uh, a trip that uh, my, uh, well, you know, Steph, who you know, my partner, Steph, and I made to Argentina. I was looking, um, I had one of those uh, silly, generally rather annoying things, a notification that came up on my phone saying two years ago today, you were here. And it was a photograph of the Iguazu um falls uh, which of course are a wonderful thing and Steph and I went to see them dutifully and took hundreds of well I think about 50 photographs and the one that came up was of uh, uh, Steph uh, looking out uh, over the waterfalls completely soaked with a a bunch of people taking selfies all around but in the in the spray of the waterfall there was this little black dot and when I I thought oh I wonder what that is uh uh something wrong with the lens I presume and when I actually um uh focused in on it it was uh a swift it was a bird it was a it was a, one of the um amazing uh cataract swifts which lives behind the curtain of the waterfall uh, and uh, they're incredibly I mean how on earth they do it they swim in and out of this absolutely thunderous um, uh, downpour deluge and uh, somehow manage to live on in the rocks behind and uh, anyway and I found this picture of it
3: <laughs> it's, it's fantastic it's, it's like a yeah it's like an Easter egg suppose something sort of you, you discover a serendipitous discovery afterwards I had a similar one in in a picture I took in, um, in the blue city in India, blue city of Jodhpur.
0: Um, um, Jodhpur. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And, um, we were there during the holy festival. Um, I was in a very elevated position. And I took a picture across the rooftops of the blue city, so-called, um, on a very, on a telephoto lens. Um, so it was quite abstracted, very geometrical, uh, a uh, very beautiful picture, but I didn't. And then it was one that I that I did work on and, and turn into a, a, a digital painting. And it was only when I was doing that that I noticed in the bottom left-hand corner, a tiny detail of the one of the rooftops. There was a small party of people, crowd of people throwing coloured powder <laughs> over each other. Tiny detail in this. In this, uh, <laughs> it was really lovely. It was the only thing to give it a human scale because otherwise it's quite a, an abstract image. And. Uh, Ah how interesting. So that's a
0: kind of uh, every picture tells a story, but actually it tells more than one story maybe uh, or a very very um, complicated story.
3: That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Um Mario, can I just just because it's so interesting hearing actual uh examples. Was there any um drawing digital drawing or drawing that you did while you were in Rhodes recently that you really like or liked
3: uh (laughs) was anyone i really liked um sometimes i'm just getting used to the software there's a particular painting app uh that's available for the ipad and other platforms it's called heavy paint and it really behaves in quite a different way to anything i've ever used it's really not analogous to painting in in real paint, uh, but I'm fascinated by it, and I and and I did a couple of I did a couple of paintings on Plain air. One is a of a church, and uh, another one is in 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 a cafe. Yeah, I, yeah, I was quite pleased with them. The other th- nice thing about it is that you can paint in the dark, which is something. <laughs> which- <laughs> in the history of humankind um <laughs> because the screen is backlit um so yes you can draw and paint in the dark uh, so i did some <laughs> i did some figures dancing um in the hotel one evening um, yeah that was quite fun
0: <laughs> and i suppose that you know that means that you can actually um draw people without them being uh aware as it were
3: <laughs> yes yes it's surprising uh um, when I used to, in the days when I used to commute um, into town to work uh, I used to do a lot of drawing of people on on the tube and um, I think I was only ever only, I noticed twice I think in decades of drawing uh, uh, there was uh, one time when some when <clears throat> I was sitting at the end of a row of seats next to the glass um, next to the glass by the doors and on the other side of the of the of the glass there was a a very very drunken man who was watching watching over my shoulder as it he was standing. And <laughs> and at one point he sort of swung around on the um, on the pole on the handle and uh, and complimented my drawing he said uh, very uh, reminiscent of the early
0: work of Salvador Dali. Were you flattered by that or
3: I am not quite sure what to make of it. I never really noticed any resemblance in that <laughs> Mario Cavalli
1: and of course you might well want to see some of his pictures as well as our favourites and therefore I've created a special link which will take you there just bit.ly so that's bit.ly slash you should have been there and we'd love to include your favourites as well or rather your favourite your very favourite travel picture that you have taken and easiest way to get it to us is probably going to be Via Twitter, you can DM it uh, at Simon Calder, or of course celebrate it with the whole world by uh, sending me and everyone else uh, your picture at Simon Calder. But remember, just one, and we'll put
0: our favourites of your favourites online. Thank you, Simon. And next week we're going to be talking about the lost art of navigation. Can anybody still find their way with a map or by the stars, even um, or? Do we all need an app?
1: Well, we're going to be talking to the man, natural navigator, Tristan Gooley, who has done more work on how to find your way around without any artificial devices than anybody else I know. So please join us then. But for now, from me, Simon Calder. me, Mick Webb. Goodbye. Goodbye.